Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about the one-third, one-third, one-third rule. And what are the best stock areas to look at? Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. Philip, I, I hear you talk about your one third, one third, one third rule a lot. Explain that again. So, one I use one third, one third a lot for like a lot of different things. It, it can be for my whole balance sheet and liquid how I allocate liquid money. It really is for my whole balance sheet. Cause I use it, I use it less for liquid money, or that's a whole different question. So let me stick with the balance sheet. And so if I think about my whole, you know, my net worth, like I like to say, and this is this is based off an of old Jewish, it's not called a proverb, but teaching of wisdom. It's, it's, it's a text about about money. And it's like, you know, it says keep a third of your money in business, 30 money in reserves, 30 money in real estate. You know, I adopted it for the 21st century where I keep a third of my money in, in stocks, you know, a third of my money in real estate, a third of my money in Bitcoin, which is my definition of the current reserves today. If you if you believe cash is a reserve, then you can do cash, whatever you want to do. And so it allocates it allocates that way. And I don't I don't personally consider the value of my company in that equation because that is completely separate and locked up until I sell it. It generates the income that that I that I receive. So it's, it's you know it's, it's on it's on passive investments and so that's that's how I how I think about it and it does two things it keeps me from going all in on on one thing because I'm super bullish on crypto if if left to my, if left to my logic and not having that boundary on there I would be 100% Bitcoin right now you know I bet everything I'm that I'm that confident in it you know. And I don't, and I, and I, and I'm, I'm saying this honestly. I don't think I would be wrong, right? But I have that guardrail up, right, to to protect f- from from being wrong, because hey, if I'm wrong, I start on my balance sheet, and then these other two will, you know, will play out, right? And 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 vice versa. It allows you to be able to be wrong. It goes back to like the tortoise and the hare concept, right? You know, the moral story for me was, don't just go for speed. You know, do it the right way, right? If the right if the right way for you is a slower, oftentimes the right way is slower than what we want to go, you know. But it puts up those those guardrails. It doesn't mean I'm accepting any stocks or any real estate in the other buckets. I want to be strategic on that, you know. But it means it it helps me keep those guardrails in place because, like, one thing that we do know about life is, you know, and 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 even if I am right, <clears throat> ten years is a long time. Right. And having those other assets help me emotionally, may help me take advantage of more opportunities. Like it's just who knows, right? But it's it's it it keeps it's just wise wisdom. And I and I like to not get high on my own fumes and do everything I can to like put boundaries around myself, which allows me to then be highly confident within those boundaries, right? I'm like, cool, if I have these boundaries, 
then in this boundary, I'm confident, confident, right? You know, in the in the reserve bucket, I don't have to put it between cash and Bitcoin because I'm all in on it. So it's it's my one third bucket. You know what I mean? If I were less confident, maybe I was, maybe I split between a third gold in there, a third cash, a third Bitcoin. So that's that's what that means and how I and how I think about it. And I think what's important to know is in that model, right? When I'm when I'm talking about reserves, right? You know, we keep fiat. I call it, I call it cash now fiat. So so we know that it's an inferior form of money, you know. But it's the real definition. But I call it fiat. When we keep enough fiat to you know, pay a few months of bills because that's just wise and responsible. We also have, you know, lines of credit that, you know, huge, line, big lines of credit that if we need something beyond that, like we're good because I, and I, and I project out my cash flow and I know highly certain, you know, we don't, we don't spend, we have a lot of surplus every single month. Like we don't spend everything we make. And so, you know, that surplus over the course of a year goes into investment. So I can kind of get an idea of, Okay, cool. If I do have something above the cash, above my cash need that I have, okay, we're going to make this money, and I could pay off the line with that money if it does go beyond that. And that's that's more advanced strategy I was telling you about on a previous podcast episode about being strategic about your balance sheet. But my point is, you know, you still want to have some fiat because I still got to pay some bills, right? The money that I put lock away in real estate or Bitcoin or my stocks, I don't I don't take that out. I don't use that to go on vacation. You know, that's that's long-term money. And so I got to keep some short-term money for stuff that might happen and play out in the short term beyond what we what we plan to have in our budget. All right, last few questions. Best stock areas to look at. What are the best stock areas to look at? Innovation. So I would, we you know, there's, I forget the number. There's something like, I think it's somewhere between five and 10,000 publicly traded stocks that you can buy. Most of them are garbage because most of them are not, in my opinion, because most of them are not built to grow beyond the rate that the government's going to devalue the currency over the next decade, which which my estimation is somewhere between 10 to 15 percent a year. So the majority of those five to 10,000 companies are, are, are going to grow at a rate that's lower than a 10 to 15 percent devaluation rate that I expect over the next, next decade, which means it can go up. The portfolio can go up in 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 nominal terms, so it can go up, but if it doesn't go up above the devalue rate, then you're losing purchasing power, which is which is the point, right? It's the reason why incomes are higher for the middle class than they were two decades ago, but people are poorer because education, healthcare, housing, that stuff costs more. It's about to get worse. That's beside the point, or it's kind of it's kind of is the point. But uh, so you you want you want to look at the world and say, okay. How you don't got to predict how is the world today, right? How is the world? Like you, you might look at things and you might go, yeah, man, like nobody's going back to work, <laughs> go, go back to work in that way, no matter what the people say on the news. And so all the companies that are operating in the old world, I don't want to own those. I want to own the Zooms. I want to own the Shopify's. I want to own the Amazons. I want to. I want to own the digital economy. Not get. And I got to guess. I want to own the winners because they're going to become more valuable because, like, we have to use it in this current world that we live in, uh, which I've t- talked about numerous times on the podcast. And there's there's only a small amount of those companies relative to the five to ten thousand companies out there. So uh, I want to own those. Um, I call those innovation stocks. You know, I also want to own 
stocks that are in the crypto economy, the Coinbase's, the Bitcoin and crypto miners, you know, because they're building the the new financial infrastructure. You can listen to my podcast episode that I did on Thursday, the 18th, about my three million dollar three million Bitcoin price target in 10 years and the growth rate of crypto growing at 180 percent, you know, plus a year over the last seven years. And so you want to own companies that are around that around that economy, right? And then the third is what I mentioned before, lithium and uranium stocks for the reason I explained in a previous podcast episode on lithium and uranium. So those, those are the three areas that I'm super bullish on and that I personally have ownership of stocks in that area. I hope this helps y'all and uh, enjoy your day. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.